All right. Well, hey, we've been talking now for a while about the new life. And what this is about is how Jesus changed the world with two words, follow me. And some people did. Some people left the tax collector's booth and their fisherman nets and they went and followed Jesus. And that is something that's been changing the world ever since. Today, we can follow Jesus as well, but it's not as easy as, you know, following him down the road. You know, he's going that way. So let's go follow Jesus. You know, now we have to figure out how to follow Jesus in a different way. You know, we have to follow the ways of God. We have to learn how to follow the Lord in a different way than those early disciples did. And this is something that we can do. We can let go of the old and grab hold of the new. We can follow Jesus. We can release the old life and we can take hold of a new life of walking with God. We call it being born again. You know, the old is gone, the new has come. Last time we talked about, you know, following Jesus and it was man up, you know, it was Father's Day. So talked about being a spiritual leader in your home as a man, you know, that can apply in your friend group. It can apply at work, at school, whatever it is. You know, you don't have to be a a literal father to be uh, a spiritual leader. So men, step up. That was last week. This week, we're talking about something that everybody deals with. This week, we're talking about forgiveness, a essential part of Christianity, of walking with God, of following Jesus is knowing how to step into forgiveness. Obviously, this is a core central part of being a believer in Jesus is forgiveness. So what is the cross all about? (laughs) The cross is an important thing for the believer. Let's look at the gospel of Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. Now, this is just about the absolute conclusion of the book of Luke. So Luke ends here, 24 chapters, and we're going to be reading from right here. So might this be some important stuff? You know, the conclusion of the book of Luke, Luke 24, 46 and 47, Jesus speaking, he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen is that as the faith goes forward, you know, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead. That happened Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in Jesus' name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So there's repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus paid for on the cross. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He paid the price. He is the one who stepped in front of us. He paid our debt, and now we are set free. Our part is repentance. Our part is to follow him. Repent in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word means to turn back. What it means is if you strayed away from God, turn back to God. But maybe you're somebody like me. You never had a relationship with God in the first place. So you can't really turn back to God. The uh, The Greek word that's translated repent is about just looking at your life from a 30,000 foot view, taking stock of what's going on and deciding to go with God, to go with the Lord. That's to repent, to turn to God, to follow 
Jesus. That's what it is. So when we let go of the old ways and we turn our lives over to Christ, that's repentance and that brings forgiveness of sins. And that's what the cross is about. Jesus suffered and he rose from the grave and this is what brings us into that. So Jesus suffered so that people could turn to God and be forgiven. The cross is all about forgiveness. We as believers in Jesus are people of the cross. We celebrate the cross. We gain peace with God from the cross. And we're also required to share that forgiveness with other people. It's about forgiveness. Now let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And this is the, the verses right after the Lord's Prayer. So the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. He goes ahead with the Lord's Prayer. Very, very important stuff. Uh, you know, we've covered that in, in sermons before, going through the Lord's Prayer. So at the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, verse 13, Jesus continues to speak, no longer giving an example of how to pray, but now just explaining something because, you know, we're supposed to forgive our debtors as we also, uh, we ask God to forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors you know, you could say trespasses, that sort of a thing. And then he continues to explain that in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, this got my attention the first time I read it. I thought, oh boy, looks like forgiveness is really important. You know, the cross is there. The grace of God for salvation is there that we access by faith. And so we want to walk in the forgiveness of God. We want to be forgiven and set free. And it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Woo. What this means is freely receive, but freely give. Go ahead and be forgiven. Hallelujah for that. Go ahead and forgive others. Very, very important. But living a life of forgiveness towards other people can be challenging. You know, I think in today's world, a lot of people have trouble with forgiveness. They're not really sure uh, how that's supposed to work. It's no longer a cultural value. I think even when I was a kid growing up, you know, with no exposure to Christianity, we still had a culture that was about you know, loving people and helping each other and forgiveness and moving forward. It was a big part of what was going on. Now in today's world, you just don't see that so much. Uh, it's not part of our, our cultural values, but it's, it's something that's very important. It's especially important for the believer in Jesus. So today I want to give my top five lessons that I've learned about forgiveness. So there's a whole lot of stuff Obviously, we can't cover everything. You know, we could do a, a three-month sermon series on forgiveness, but we're going to just kind of hit my top five bullet points about forgiveness because it's such an important topic for us as believers to make sure we grab hold of. So here we go. Number one, God requires us to forgive. <laughs> That's bullet point number one. This is not optional. This is not maybe we can if we finally get around to it. This is required. We read in Matthew 
Chapter six, you know, if we don't forgive others, then the forgiveness of God does not extend to us. Uh, You know, the parable of the unmerciful servant, I think is a powerful one with this. You know, we need to look at this world through eyes of gratitude for the forgiveness we have been offered through Christ and not then hold all the sins of everybody else against them because, you know, hey, that was wrong. Well, it was wrong, but you've done wrong things too and you've been forgiven for them, so now you need to extend that to others. Don't receive the forgiveness of God and refuse to offer the forgiveness of God to others. God requires us to forgive. But just because you know that, it doesn't mean that you can just snap your fingers and successfully forgive people. So that brings us to point number two. You can forgive, but you have to fight for it. What I mean with that is that forgiveness can be real. It can be an actual true thing where you have released it, where you have released the sin. You are no longer holding it against them. You have forgiven. It is possible, but it can be a battle that you have to fight for. One time years ago, it took me a year to forgive a particular situation. It was a couple people. uh, It took me a year. And I mean a year of active participation in trying to forgive. So what I would do is I would pray and I knew I was supposed to forgive. And, you know, it wasn't even something done against me. It was done to somebody else. And I just couldn't let it go. It just bothered me so much. And it was bad. I mean, there was a suicide involved. I mean, it was a mess. It was a disaster. I was just so angry. So I was trying to forgive in this situation and there was no repentance on their part. You know, there was absolute, you know, 100%. They just thought they were awesome and doing everything perfect and uh, smug and terrible. It was was just, it was ugly. And, you know, it was sinking into my heart and I'm just getting angry and I'm, I'm trying to forgive. It wasn't even a sin against me you know, just one that I was very directly aware of, you know, I was there. And so it, uh, it was bothering me and I'm trying to forgive and I'm trying to let it go. And I, I just was having a lot of trouble with that. And I would pray and I would, you know, I would say, I forgive. And I would say everything I knew to say, I would ask God for help, all that stuff. And I would just pray and pray and pray. And then in the middle of the night, I, you know, you wake up like, no, oh, those rotten people, you know, and you realize, okay, I have not released this yet. I've not been successful in actually letting this go to, to the Lord. And this is where John 8, 31 and 32 have, you know, those verses have so much power because Jesus says something really, really amazing here. Uh, And I want you to grab hold of this because it's just so, so important. If you're someone who has tried a little dabbling in Christianity and you're like, it didn't really work, you know, well, read these verses. Here we go. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you hold to the teachings, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What's the first truth you learn when you attempt to hold to the teachings of Jesus? Like, forgive people. You, The first thing that you learn, the first truth that presents itself is that it's easier said than done. That forgiving people can be very challenging. You know, so we learn that. It's not just like, You know, we're not just going to pretend. We're going to actually deal with this. We're going to actually look at it. We're going to actually try to grab hold of true forgiveness. And 
you know, after a year of actively trying, I realized this was just not working. I was trying, but I was failing and I kept seeking God about it. So the first thing that I learned when trying to put that, you know, into practice to hold to that teaching was the truth is this is hard. I need God's help. I need some revelation. I need some empowerment. I need something. And finally, after a year, I was uh, just asking God about it because I could tell that my relationship with the Lord was starting to deteriorate some, you know, and this was, you know, this was years and years ago. And I was like, man, I don't want this. And I was driving and I was sitting at a stoplight and I just was like, Lord, what's going on here? I need some help. I'm, I'm trying to forgive. It's not working. I can feel like I'm getting farther away from you. Like, you got to help me out. And uh, the thing that just came to mind, I believe the Lord just told me this, but you know, you just all of a sudden you have this thought was unforgiveness is opposition to the cross. It just hit me as I'm sitting there at the stoplight. Unforgiveness is opposition to the cross. And I'm like, oh, because what does the cross do? The cross takes people's sins away. What does unforgiveness do? Unforgiveness holds people's sins to them. So unforgiveness is opposition to the cross. And I thought, well, I'd better not be opposing the cross. Like, <laughs> that's not going to work for me, you know? Like, so I was like, that scared me essentially to like, okay, you know what? I'm done with it. This is not mine. I am not opposing the cross. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm just going to let this go. And I just let it go. And that was enough for me to just say, okay, I'm releasing this. Lord, you deal with it. I can't be holding this because I cannot be opposing the cross. I must be on the side of the cross where we are at the very least desiring for people's sins to be taken away rather than desiring that they get their comeuppance, you know, that they that their sins are are attached to them and they, you know, let's desire for people to be separated from their sin and brought into the goodness and the grace of God. Let's believe that. So that was the thing that snapped me out of that. But, you know, point number one, God requires us to forgive. Point number two, you can forgive, but you're going to have to fight for it. And if it's been some real bad stuff, you know, this could be a life process. I don't want you to think that, you know, you should be able to forgive by the time this service is over. You know, I hope you get your miracle today. That'd be great. I don't think everybody that hears my voice is going to get their miracle today. Keep fighting to forgive. And maybe some more of this will be helpful. Number three, forgiveness is essential to your healing process. In order for you to heal, you need to forgive. I got a few things to talk about with regard to this. Forgiveness is essential to your healing process. I see sin as something that creates a bond between people. Have you ever just like woke up in the middle of the night like that rotten piece of garbage? You know, like you, <laughs> there's a bond between you and somebody who sinned against you. Uh, there's a connection that's created. And how do you break that connection? Well, that connection is severed through forgiveness. I see it like an old whaling ship and you got the whale and they shoot the harpoon and uh, you've got the the whale that's trying to uh, get away, but it's connected to the ship by the rope and forgiveness. So that's like the sin, the, uh, the harpoon shot, the damage is done. But as long as that rope is still connected, the more the whale moves, the deeper the injury. And what needs to happen is that rope needs to be severed. And I believe that when we release these things, 
that that uh, helps to sever that rope. And now we can look at the injury and start to heal rather than constantly looking back at the person who wronged you and thinking evil thoughts towards them and having that wound get deeper and deeper. I heard years ago, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting your enemy to die. And I'll throw unforgiveness in there. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting your enemy to die. It just doesn't do anything. You know, so many people have a, a, you know, something against somebody that the other person doesn't even remember, you know, like, oh, that rotten person in elementary school or whenever, you know, like it's some side comment they made. They probably don't, don't even remember it. And here you are bringing it up in your mind over and over again, digging the wound in deeper and deeper as the years go by. That's not what you want. Let's read Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. So like anger is going to happen. You don't need to sin. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. What if somebody does something terrible to you, you know, one second before sundown, and then you're still angry, you know, like, oh, egregious. And what, let's not get uh, funny with verses like this. What this means is be actively getting that junk out of your heart. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold means don't sit and stew on it. Don't sit and let it marinate. Don't sit and fantasize about how much you hate somebody for how horrible they are and just let it sink in deep to your heart and then give the devil a foothold. Like you don't want to be in that spot. Don't just circle in your mind around the evil and just let it get deeper and deeper and deeper until all of a sudden now the devil's got a foothold in your heart and you're in a world of hurt. So be actively dealing with the anger that you've got, you know, and people use language. So unfortunately today, sometimes like, you know, like I'm working on my anger issues usually means you're not working on your anger issues. It means you are acknowledging that you have an anger problem, but you're just letting it be there. Don't let it be there. You're like, oh, I have these anger issues. No, get it out of there. You know, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry means have a sense of urgency because it is doing you harm. The devil is going to get a foothold and you're going to be in a lot worse shape. You need to fight your way out. Forgiveness is essential to your healing process. You've got to get that anger out. You've got to, you've got to forgive. You've got to get free. But forgiveness is also not about ignoring the truth, but about processing truth and moving forward. So, you know, just saying, oh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal anyway. You know, don't worry about it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is, you know, that it really was bad. You hurt me really deeply, but I forgive you. I am releasing that. I, I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. You release it. You forgive. Don't pretend that it wasn't a big deal when it was. You know, let's walk through the truth. So, you know, your healing process is not going to be helped by lies and deception. Oh, yeah, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal. Well, if it was a big deal, then go ahead and acknowledge that it was a big deal, but still forgive. Still get the anger out. Still let the Lord help you through that process. And then again, in the, the subcategory of forgiveness is essential to your healing process. Forgiveness does not require elimination of boundaries. 
you know, I forgive you, therefore now you can hurt me as much as you want again. No, have some boundaries, have some sense, you know, uh, you can forgive. I was dealing with somebody who owned a business one time and he, you know, like, well, as a Christian, you know, like I want to forgive people and I have these horrible employees that I should fire, but I keep forgiving them. I'm like, you forgive them and fire them. You can do both of those. You know, you're not doing them any favors by not firing them. They need to realize there's consequences for their behavior. Don't sit and stew on it and let it get a foothold in your heart. You know, forgive them, but you fire them too. <laughs> you know, like you can still have boundaries. That's okay. So uh, forgiveness is essential to your healing process, but make sure that you're grabbing hold of all of the truth with that. So God requires us to forgive. You can forgive, but you're going to have to fight for it. Forgiveness is essential to your healing process. Number four, forgiveness does not let them off the hook. Forgiveness does not let them off the hook. I was talking to a lady one time and she was just in, in tears and, and uh, she said she, she wants to forgive, but she doesn't want, you know, these people to not have to face the consequences of their sin, what they did. And, uh, you know, my response to her was, hey, you know, you're forgiving what they owe you. You can't forgive for God what they owe God. You know, you're not, you're not Christ. You're not, you know, you're not the savior. You're just releasing what they owe you. They owe God for hurting you. They, they have to pay to God for hurting one of his children. If you've got children, if somebody abuses and damages one of your children, sins against, hurts one of your children, you know, something comes up in you. That comes up in God. He, you know, don't forget Matthew 18, 6. Let's go to that. That's the millstone one. Matthew 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So what is Jesus getting at there? He's saying, look, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to make it right. And of course, this is talking about, you know, abusers and all kinds of stuff. But Man, this, this is talking about bad religion too. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. The nasty Sunday school teacher, the spiritually abusive pastor, the parents who are spiritually abusive, any of that, that's all in there, man. This isn't just sexual abuse and physical abuse and verbal abuse. This is all that other junk too. So he knows how to straighten it out. Forgiveness does not let them off the hook. So one more thing, I, I want to go to Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 19, as uh, an important thing to look at here with regards to it doesn't get them off the hook. Romans 12, 19, there's so much good. I want to read 9 through 21, but, you know, let's just read it. It's so good. All right, we're going we're gonna to read the whole thing. Romans 12, 9 through 21. I love this section but we're going to focus on just on that one verse 19. Starting verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The burning coals thing, it's not talking about physical torture. This is talking about bringing somebody to repentance. You know how when situations kind of escalate, you know, this person says a mean thing, that person says a mean thing, but is meaner, and then a little bit meaner. So then this person shoves them, that person punches them, then this person stabs them, that person shoots them, and, you know, and it turns into this big disaster, you know, the escalation process. What this is saying is when the other person is escalating, don't escalate. Stay kind. Stay merciful. Stay, you know, helpful. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink then they're not going to have something to look at to hate you over. You know, don't give them that. Why would you do that? If you're going to do a wrong because you're escalating off of their wrong, so you do more of a wrong, that's a problem. And it's also going to then give them something to blame. So don't do that. If you don't do that, eventually they should figure it out that, you know, they're the ones doing the wrong stuff. Sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't, but it's your best option. Um, some people are just difficult to deal with. But what's that verse 19 say? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. So God is going to deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So this is from Deuteronomy. This is Old Testament quoted in Romans here. And it's also quoted in Hebrews. In Hebrews, it's more like, don't you be messing up because... Uh, you know, to the church, don't you be messing up because it's he's going to avenge, he's going to repay. Here it is when someone is wronging you, you can release it because they're not off the hook with God. You don't have to worry about that. They have to make that right. But once you release them, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I, I want them to be forgiven. I want them to be born again. I want them to turn to the Lord. And it changes your heart. So Forgiveness does not let them off the hook. And then the last thing I want to say, point number five, is sometimes you do have to take a stand. Um, Jesus did two very contrary things. Um, in Matthew chapter five, we'll read both of these from, oh, I guess we got Matthew and Mark. Matthew chapter five, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. And this is a little bit of it. I encourage you to read Matthew five, six, and seven all Three chapters, it's one sermon. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39 say, You have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. So this is kind of a little bit similar to what we were talking about before. You know, you're going to turn the other cheek. If somebody escalates, you're going to stay kind. If somebody starts getting mean, don't get mean with them. Go ahead, turn the other cheek. But that's not the only thing that Jesus said and did. In Mark chapter 11, and this happened, you know, this is recorded as, you know, I believe happening at least twice at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, towards the end of Jesus' ministry. We see here uh, Mark eleven fifteen 15 
through 17 on reaching Jerusalem. So this is Holy Week. This is after the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. This is during that week. So I believe it, this would be like Monday, somewhere in there of Holy Week. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Does this seem like turning the other cheek? I mean, he's, he's having himself, uh, he, I, don't, I don't know what the right word is. He's flipping over the money changers' tables. He's driving people away. He's like, get out of here. You can't bring that merchandise in here. And he's, he, this is not the picture of turning the other cheek. So Jesus turned the other cheek. We see this later on in Holy Week. You know, he's, he allows himself to be arrested. He doesn't give an answer. Uh, he allows himself to be scourged and crucified and killed. You know, he's, he's turning the other cheek. He's receiving the abuse in order for uh, the greater plan of God to come forth. But we see him flipping over the money changers' tables. Other places it says he makes a, a whip out of cords and drives all the animals out. I mean, he's like, he's got a whip, man. I mean, this is civil disobedience. Uh, you know, it's amazing. So he turned the other cheek, but he also turned over the money changers' tables. Very different tactics. How do we understand this? You know, this is the deal. What does it take to break the cycle of darkness? Does it take turning the other cheek? If somebody says something stupid and you just let it go, does that make the situation better? If so, turn the other cheek. Now, let's just do, you know, human trafficking. Let's say people are being abducted and sold into illegal slavery. Do you just turn the other cheek? Well, I'm, yeah, let God avenge what like some stuff we don't have access to helping, but in situations where you can intervene, you got to intervene. I mean, uh, Jesus intervened when it was necessary. So there's times where you got to flip over the money changers tables. And too often, I think uh, we've gotten it wrong. Like we've turned the other cheek when we should be actively engaged in dealing with the situation, or maybe we've actively engaged when we should be turning the other cheek. But wisdom is knowing the difference. When is it time to flip over the money changers table? You know, your five-year-old spills milk on the kitchen table. Is that the time to start throwing a big fit? And, and you know, yeah, I don't think so. I think that's time to turn the other cheek and realize that five-year-olds sometimes spill on the table and, you know, that sort of a thing. So, we want to make sure that just because we are people of forgiveness doesn't mean that we don't take a stand and intervene periodically. Jesus did that, but we need to be wise. I think, man, so many times we take a stand when we should be showing the love and kindness of God. So let's try to be wise on that. Here we go. Recap the top five. Top five things I've learned about forgiveness. God requires us to forgive. You can forgive, but you're going to have to fight for it. Forgiveness is essential for your healing process. Forgiveness does not let them off the hook. And even though we're people of forgiveness, sometimes you have to take a stand. All right, let's finish this up. I want to pray that you can get free from the evil that's been done to you and those around you. Sometimes we have kind of a, a vicarious reaction 
you know, we see something unjust over here and we get all worked up about it. Do what you can do. You know, if all you can do is pray, then go ahead and pray, but then release it to God. If you can actually intervene and help somebody, intervene and help somebody. But when wrong has been done to us and all we do is stew and get angry and get, sink into that darkness, that is not helpful. That is bad. We want to receive the forgiveness of God and we want to offer forgiveness to others. So back to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, I think hugely important verses. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I want to pray that you can get free from that darkness. You know, we've all been there where we've been angry. We've had unforgiveness. We've had grudges. We've been just like seething. We want to get free from that. It might be a battle, but let's go get it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we know forgiveness is such an essential part of, of everything that you have for us. The cross itself, Lord, the forgiveness we have by your grace that we can grab hold of salvation through faith. Lord, help us to exercise that faith and receive that forgiveness. Let us turn to you, repent for forgiveness of sins paid for by the blood of Christ. But Lord, let us also offer that forgiveness freely we have received, let us freely give, Lord. And for those who have let it get deep and that rage is just part of who they are now, the devil has a foothold, Lord, I pray that you would set them free, that you would bring freedom, you would bring forgiveness, you would bring just a power to overcome in that situation, that they would not be overcome by evil, but they would overcome evil with good. And so, Lord, I pray for freedom for those who have taken on a victim mentality because of the hardships that they've been through and the ways that, you know, the, just the, the yuck that this world has handed them. Lord, let them not be a victim anymore, but know that they are more than a conqueror in Christ. Let them grab hold of that new identity as someone who's gone through injustice, but overcame. Just like Jesus went through injustice, he was, you know, mocked and tortured and and killed, and yet he rose to the right hand of the Father on high in majesty. Let that person rise up into that glorious image of who you are. Let them have that. Lord, let us get free and grab hold of your goodness. Let us be able to forgive and have our hearts heal. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.